Warning, the following episode does not contain any disturbing contents or explicit language. Viewer discretion is advised. time of year our most favorite holiday guys happy halloween and what better way to celebrate than hanging around a campfire with my friends telling them a spooky story this is not a campfire you burn the leftover wood scraps from the termite problem we had buzzkill well listeners as you see around the campfire with me is al I am a program on your laptop. Well, joining us today is also Squishy. Hello, may eternal be thy... You're breaking up. Oh, the signal is bad. Sorry. He's with us today via video call. He would dry up near the campfire. Well, there is you. Why the bad attitude? I'm still mad about that date. Okay... Anyway, what topic to cover today? Well, no other name evokes Halloween as much as Dracula! <laughs> Isn't that a copyrighted work? Good question. Well, Bram Stoker actually forgot to register a copyright for his novel Dracula, so we are all free to bastardize it as much as we want. Just look at Hollywood, and seemingly scientists bastardize it as well, as they've named a whole genus of organisms literally Dracula, and it has 118 species, so that is 118 copyright strikes already, and we're covering them today. And if I do get DMCA claimed, I can point my finger towards the scientific community. So, before I start this spooky tale, anything on your minds, guys? I am going to send you the PDF for our new pamphlets. Okay, Squishy. Do you have any marshmallows? No, but I do have leftover fiberglass insulation if you prefer that. Oh, pass. Well, okay, let's get started with the scary scary story. These species live high in the mountainous cloud forests of Central and South America. Over half of the species alone live in Ecuador. They prefer cold, damp habitats and tend to stay hidden in the shade, as direct sunlight easily gives them sunburns. Most of them have creeping organs called rhizomes that allow them to latch onto other, larger organisms. And this is basically how they spend their lives, living on other organisms. Do they drink their blood? No, they drink water. Do they suck out their body fluids? Nah, I think they absorb water through the air or rain. They just live on these organisms, okay? That sucks. Anyway, They have a structure that somewhat resembles a primate-like face. But this is no face. 
as it is actually their sex organ. That's freaky. A monkey face? Yeah, actually, the most famous species which I'm mostly basing my info on is called Dracula simia, and simian means monkey-like. And this monkey face-like thing is also present on the sex organ of Dracula vampira. Why are they called Dracula? Well, the genus was named by Carlisle Lure in 1978 because their sex organs also have structures that resemble a vampire's cape, as well as three fang-like protrusions. Ah, gross. Yeah. 1978, that's very recent? Yes, and these organisms used to be very rare, but have since been highly sought after by enthusiast collectors. There is a whole dark underbelly of collectors who traffic these organisms and raise them in captivity just so they may keep them as sort of decorations due to their weird sex organs. Sick. That's just wrong. Well, they even interbreed these organisms and have created multiple hybrid specimens because these more easily conform with captivity. Also, another reason people keep these things as decorations is because they smell like ripe oranges. That's not scary at all. Why do they smell like that? To attract flies. Why do they need flies? Because these flies pollinate them. Pollinate. Is this a plant? Yeah, it's a flower, duh. An orchid to be more precise. Oh, man. Stupid. Ah, uh, no. You ruined the Halloween special. Wasting our time with flowers. Hey, flowers can be freaky and weird too. I just got a notification that I have digital Ebola. Need to quarantine myself. Shutting off. You guys are leaving me? Uh, I have recruitry programming that I need to attend, but please send that pamphlet PDF to your friends. No, Squishy! Well, you're still here. Um, I sense some childhood traumas boiling up in you. I'll go feed off them for a while. Ah, shit. Hey, you said no explicit language. Well, I already fucked it up, and nobody's listening anyway. So maybe I should explain myself. Most orchids do latch onto other organisms, trees or other plants, because they are epiphytes, plants which live on other plants. And we are so used to trees being background scenery that we forget they are living organisms as well. Flowers are also so ingrained into our warped social consciousness that we forget they are the plant's sex organ and that the sole reason they are beautiful and colorful and magnificent is so they may attract and trick animals into spreading their manpowder all over the place. 
because plants cannot have intercourse themselves, so they utilize other creatures to do the penetration for them. Bees and all pollinators are basically a plant's proxy penis, and people who surround themselves with flowers are basically enthusiasts of plant erotica, and take these species away from their natural habitats, or try to raise their seeds, which are essentially their children, in unnatural conditions so they may enjoy the company of these plants Genitals. And sometimes we press and dry these up between sheets of paper so we may construct scrapbook museum collections of crusty old plant junk. If we did this to animals we would be labeled perverts and sociopaths. And the disclaimer for no disturbing content still stands because we are all okay with this. Many orchid species themselves are notorious for essentially being sex traps for insects. Orchids from the genus Ophrys, also called bee orchids, form flowers whose patterns mimic certain visual cues of female bees or other insects depending on the pollinator in question. And just to spice it up, they also release chemicals which mimic the insect's pheromones and often even mimic the hairiness of the female insects so they may provide tactile sexual cues as well. These flowers actually attract male individuals of the pollinator species who actually try to have their way with the flower. What is known as pseudocopulation. And during this fake sex, the male insect gets covered in the flower's pollen and sent on his way to indulge his urges on other flowers pollinating them along the way. And what's more freaky is that the loss of sperm may be damaging to the male insect, so the ones who do not fall for this trap actually have a higher chance of producing offspring. So natural selection favorizes them. And then the orchids, in order to stay relevant and exist, have to evolve even better ways of mimicking the female insects. So both the orchids and pollinators form a co-evolutionary relationship as they constantly need to outsmart each other in order to continue existing. And this has been going on and on for millions of years. Because of these seductive flowers, these insects' evolution has been shifting towards developing mechanisms of better recognizing females of their own species. Who they are supposed to have sex with in the first place. The heck? Now Dracula orchids utilize another form of deceptive mimicry in order to be pollinated. They mimic fungi, as their labellum, which is their modified lower petal, mimics mushrooms that grow in their vicinity, and they also produce chemicals which mimic the scent of these same mushrooms. The insects they're trying to deceive are fruit flies, which use mushrooms as places where they display their courtship, where they mate, where they go to for shelter, and also apparently where they feed off of yeast. And the whole mimicry system is extensively detailed in an amazing research paper I've added to the episode description. It is an awesome read. And to the research team, if you're listening, shout out to you. You're all awesome and I'm a fan. Now if people I shout out do not like the show, it's okay, I understand. This is more of a comedy podcast. I categorize it that way so I can rant about scientists and creatures alike, but sometimes they win over my heart. I've sifted through a lot of research papers for the prior animals we've covered, and who would have known a plant of all things would introduce me to a very coherent, understandable, interesting, and fun research paper. This research team did an extensive job of isolating and testing every possible mimetic cue the flower may have. By using a 3D printed silicone copy of a flower, and then applying different colors, patterns, scents, moving it further or closer to the mushrooms it's supposed to mimic, etc. Now that I'm not angry, but still abandoned by my co-hosts, I should end the episode. 
But before I do that, there is much more fun to be had with this orchid's name. As I've already established, botanists seem to be much more fun guys than those other scientists I criticized in prior episodes. I hope they've forgotten about me and will not burn me at the stake. At least I'll know what it was like for them a few centuries ago. That joke is not mine, it's from a friend. Shout out to you, sorry for plagiarizing your random sarcastic remark. Now speaking of plagiarism, halfway during production of this episode I found a YouTube video of someone else's Dracula Orchid Halloween special from six years ago. And it made me feel not very special. I honestly thought my idea was very original. And this coincidence just trampled my ego. I'll add that video to the episode description and shout out to the creator who is much cooler than me. Now back on topic, so botanists seem to be very fun. Apart from writing interesting papers, they are also fun at naming new species. Heck, the whole genus is called Dracula, such a badass move. Because you essentially secure that every related species that gets discovered needs to bear the Dracula name. And if you look at the species list on Wikipedia, they really enjoy naming these things. As a lot of them are monster related, so let's look at some. Okay, so now I'm looking at the list of the species, and apparently it's not just monsters, it's also references to mythology. There's Dracula Bellerophon, Dracula Chimera, Dracula Chiroptera, Chiroptera is, I believe, the order of bats, Dracula Christiniana, Dracula Diabola, so basically the devil Dracula, Dracula Gorgona, which is possibly a reference to the Gorgons from Greek mythology, Dracula Nosferatu, Dracula Polyphemus, Dracula Vampira, which I already mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Dracula Vad Tepish, which is a reference to Vlad the Impaler, and Dracula Xenos. And for the end, a few more things. So I don't know if anybody looked into this, but I have a hypothesis why these flowers look like monkey faces. So what if the flowers simultaneously mimic two different things for two different reasons? The obvious fungus for pollination, but what if these face-like patterns are actually there to ward off larger insects, which may try to feed on the orchids? Maybe these insects think it is an animal and just stay away. And there are monkeys in the rainforest where these orchids grow. Food for thoughts. And another cool mini fact. Apparently there is another unrelated orchid called a monkey orchid, Orchis simia. It bears an inflorescence with multiple flowers that look like dancing monkeys. And you know how Dracula orchids smell like oranges? These smell like shit. I guess to attract other types of flies. And so there it is guys, have a fantastic Halloween, drive safely tonight, use protection, think smart unlike those bees I mentioned earlier, and remember, may eternal be thy squishy. 